Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to South Valley. My name is Ricky Hemi. Thank you so much for joining us in person today. Thanks for joining us online. It's a real privilege to be with you this morning. Today we have the privilege of exploring a really awesome passage in Scripture written by one of the greatest figures in the entire Bible. His name is David, or King David, as we often call him. King David, he was a a passionate, courageous man who lived an epic life full of adventure. His life was anything but boring. Okay, He had epic highs and epic lows. He experienced glorious triumphs and dramatic failures, unprecedented prosperity, and unrivaled despair. His victories, like the defeat of Goliath, are legendary. People who don't even belong to churches know the story of David and Goliath. And his sins, like that with Bathsheba, are scandalous beyond comparison. And so David's story serves as a wonderful lesson about the triumphs and the tragedies of life. But today, I don't want to focus so much on his triumphs. I want to focus more on his tragedies, his seasons of discouragement. How did David handle discouragement? Maybe you are discouraged today. Maybe you're down. Maybe you're anxious. Maybe you're struggling with something in the dark. Nobody else knows about it. Just you know about it. What do you do in those seasons? What I want you to know with this passage today is that you are not alone in your struggles. Because in today's passage, David finds himself in the middle of a very discouraging season of life. He's been thrown into the furnace of suffering. Sometimes life feels a little bit like a furnace. And when we find ourselves in life's furnace, with all of its heat and all of its pressure, we need to remember that the flames of life are only capable of two things. Number one, they can destroy us. Or number two, they can purify us and make us stronger. Which one is going to be the outcome in our lives when life is tough? Well, today, I want to show you how to deal with life's discouraging seasons. Maybe you're not discouraged today, so maybe this is a message you share with a friend and encourage a friend in. Maybe you are discouraged today. God has you here right now in this place for a reason, because he wants to fill your heart today with hope in a sermon that I've titled, When Life is a furnace. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up now to Psalm 63 on your way into the building. You should have got a piece of paper, has some notes on there and the passage on there as well. Psalm 63, mark it up, highlight it, circle, do what you can to interact with the text. I'm going to pray and we're going to jump in. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your son who suffered for us, who left behind the the treasures of heaven, the, the comfort of heaven, and went to a cross on our behalf for our sin and endured the furnace of life so that we could be purified. Lord, if there are people today who are discouraged, I pray that you'd strengthen them. If there are people today who are tired, I pray that you would energize them. 
Build up the weary people in our midst and help us to be beacons of hope to those who are weary around us. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for a chance to open your word today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 63, this is what it says. Starts off, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I'll bless you as long as I live. In your name, I'll lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you've been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They'll be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Psalm 63 gives us four ways Four ways of dealing with the discouraging seasons of life. And number one, when life is a furnace, when life is tough, when you are in a dark place, the first key to dealing with that is number one, seek God. Seek God. Look again at what David says. He says, oh God, you are my God Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now David, in this passage, he compares his desire for God to a weary traveler fainting for water. Um, so, so we live in Lemoore. and right now as I'm preaching, it's about 103 degrees outside, maybe even hotter. And so we all know what it's like. Okay, we're in the middle of summer here. We know what it's like to be physically parched. That's just part of living in Lemoore. We know what it's like to crave water. We know right now that our land craves water. Our plants crave water. My grass right now is craving some water. We know what it's like to be parched. I'm talking about water right now. And so you're craving water just because I'm talking about water. And it's hot outside. But here's the thing. Have you ever felt spiritually parched. You know what it's like to be physically parched. Have you ever felt spiritually parched? When you're spiritually parched, you, your, your spirit feels thin, your soul feels weary, life has made you tired, and you're thirsty on the inside. Well, that's what David says in this passage. He says, my soul thirsts for you. I find this metaphor to be fitting because in the context of Psalm 63, David is literally withering away in a desert cave. The context of Psalm 63 is David fleeing in the wilderness. If you look at the passage, at the very beginning, it gives the setting for the passage. It says, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness 
of Judah. And to, and to get a better idea of what's happening here, we'd have to turn back in our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 15. And what's happening in 2 Samuel chapter 15 is David's son, Absalom, he's conspiring to overthrow and kill his father. So that's what's happening. And so he, he steals the people's hearts, he sets himself up as the new king, and he plots to kill his own dad. It's pretty, pretty terrible, terrible stuff. Now, this was so heartbreaking that as David escaped the city, we, we get a description of what's happening in his mind and heart in 2 Samuel. It says, when he went up the, the ascent of the Mount of Olives, he was weeping as he went. He had, to, he had to escape his house, his throne. He had to leave everything behind, abandon Jerusalem because his son was out to kill him. And he goes up the Mount of Olives barefoot. The guy doesn't even have shoes on, doesn't even have enough time to get things together to escape. Barefoot and with his head covered. This is the king. This is the greatest king in Israel's history. And look at this furnace that he's been thrown into. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and they went up weeping as they went. Psalm 63 is a time of deep, deep sadness in the life of David. His son has rebelled. He's been forced out of his home. His friends are mocking him. His enemies are seeking to kill him. And he's living in a cave. And this is a, a later part in David's life. Okay, So he's older now. He's, he's gone through lots of things already in life. And here, once again, he is facing a trial, a furnace. And so here's the question for you. How would you respond if you faced a furnace like this one? What would you say to God? What, what's the first thing that would come out of your mouth in your prayer life or as you're wrestling with God? Well, the first thing David uttered to God was, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Another way to, to, to translate this phrase in Hebrew is early, I seek you. So, so it kind of points back to daily devotion, starting your day opening the word, hearing from God, first things first, talking with God. That's what David's saying. I'm going through this trial, but I'm going to start my day, first things first, hearing from you. When you're in the furnace of life, is the Bible the first thing you open? Is prayer your first response? Is worshiping God with your mouth your first response? Or is complaining and cursing God your first response? If your response to life's furnace is to curse God, then the furnace of life is already winning. But if your response to the furnace is to seek God, then you will find help. When David was weary, when he was afflicted, and at his absolute lowest, he sought God. The first point in this sermon that I want you to remember the first thing when we face the furnace of life and deal with all these empty feelings of discouragement the first thing we must do in those seasons is seek God that's why Jesus says listen to what Jesus says John seven thirty seven. if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you are feeling parched today, parched in here today, first things first, seek God. 
And many of you, you're worshiping here with us today because you are seeking God. You are in the right place this morning. So number one, seek God. The second way to respond to life's furnace is to praise God. So we don't just seek God. We also praise God. He says, so I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I'll bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. This here, my friends, is the mark of a true believer. You see, true believers... They don't just worship God when life is easy. They worship God even when life is hard. They they praise him in, in every circumstance. Can you worship God even when it hurts? Can you worship God even when the suffering doesn't seem to stop? And I don't just mean worshiping with your mouth. I mean actively obeying him and trusting him and walking with him. David makes three I will statements in the midst of his suffering. He says, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to lift up my hands in worship to you. When he was in the furnace, he worshiped. Now, recently, I mentioned a guy named John Bunyan. Uh, Bunyan was a Puritan preacher and he was an author from the 1600s. He, he lived through a turbulent time in England's history. He was arrested for his faith, told that if he stopped preaching, he would be released. He had, a, he had a wife and kids. But instead of stopping preaching, he spent 12 years in prison. And while suffering in chains, Bunyan wrote some of the, his greatest works, uh, and including a work that's very famous. We've, maybe you've read it. You've, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. He wrote that while in prison. And and during that time, he also wrote other journal articles and things like that. And, And I came across these words from when he was in prison. He says this, I was made to see that if ever I would suffer rightly, he's in the furnace, I must first pass a sentence of death upon everything that can properly be called a thing of this life, even to reckon myself, my health, my enjoyment, and all as dead to me. The second was to live upon God that is invisible. When John Bunyan found himself in the middle of life's furnace, he didn't fight it, actually. He didn't seek to escape it. He actually pressed into it, even embraced it, and wondered, what is God teaching me in the midst of this trial? Look, look at I've talked to, so I, I'm coming up on a year here. I, at the end of August, I'll be on staff here for a year. So I've gotten to know many of you guys. I love you guys. I love this church. I love the families here. And I know some of you are in really rough trials, really hard times. You're wondering, why is this happening to me? And you're trying to, to squirm out of it. And I don't blame you when things are tough. It's not like we want to keep living in the tough stuff. But sometimes we need to stop just looking for the way out and we need to just say, God, what do you want to teach me in the middle of this trial? That's what John Bunyan did. That's what Job did. That's what Jesus did. Father, into, I, I trust you. Your will be done. I hear stories like Bunyan's and Job's and now David's and 
I also, though, kind of struggle with it because I, I wonder, you know, why would God even let this stuff happen? You, you're probably wondering that if you're going through a hard time today. Why is God even letting me go through this? Why, why didn't God release John Bunyan sooner from prison so he could be with his family, his kids? Why didn't God do a miracle, break him out of jail? Why does God allow his servants, those who he loves and those who love him, why does he allow them at times to endure hardships. Why do you endure hardships? Why do I endure hardships? Well, Bunyan, he says it this way. He said, we're apt to overshoot in the days that are calm and to think ourselves far higher and more strong than we find we be when the trying day is upon us. We should be overgrown with flesh if we had not our seasonable winters. It's said that in some countries, trees will grow, but will bear no fruit because there's no winter there. You know what Bunyan's answer is when he was going through trials, when he was stuck in prison, when he was separated from his family? His answer in all of it, he wasn't looking for a way out. He was embracing where God had him as hard as it was, and his answer was this, the winter grows us. Your winter as hard as your winter may be, is part of your growth. I read an article about plants and trees, and I learned that, that some trees, some plants, if, if they go through too short of a winter, it, it impacts the harvest, it impacts their fruit. Sometimes winter is important for your growth. We learn the most about who we are and who God is in the midst of our trials. And so my challenge to you is to praise God even when it hurts. David says, Psalm 63, 4, I'll bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Believe it or not, praising God is one of the fastest ways to cure the discouragement of suffering. Okay, we, one thing I love about worship here at South Valley, we have an amazing worship team. I've been loving having Chris here. We had an amazing uh, worship leader with John all of these years. Worship is important because one of the things it does, it immediately cures discouragement. When you come before God and you're honest and you're real and you actually lay your stuff at his feet and you raise your hands or you get on your knees or you mean what you're saying, the spirit of God comes into your heart, into your soul, gives you strength and courage that you never realized you even could, you could have in life and you begin to experience healing and joy and hope. And so worship even when it's hard because nothing glorifies God more than maintaining our stability and joy when we lose everything but God. You can lose everything, but God. Is God enough for you? That's a challenge I have to wrestle through all the time. Is God enough for me? So when life is discouraging, seek God, praise God. And number three, remember God. Remember God. He says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night for you've been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. You know, sometimes the best way to take your mind off of the present is actually to remember the past. Uh, have you guys ever been driving in your car when you, you hear a song or an old song and it kind of 
transports you back in time. Does that ever happen to you? Okay, if, if I hear an Eagles song, for example, anytime I hear the Eagles, I think of my grandfather, David, who recently passed away. He always wanted to listen to the Eagles, and I'm just transported to conversations with my grandfather. Or if I hear Garth Brooks, uh, I think of my honeymoon, because when, when Carly and I went away for our honeymoon, we got to see Garth Brooks in concert, this little intimate theater. It was so amazing, so I'm immediately transported to one of the, the most fun times of my life. Okay, certain sounds transport us back in time, and, and so do certain smells. I don't know what you think the best smell is on the planet. You, uh, like, there are certain things that like you smell it, and you are transported in time. For me, the greatest smell on planet Earth, the greatest smell, is two-stroke exhaust. There, no doubt. Two-stroke exhaust is the best smell on the planet. Okay, I don't, want, uh, well, I don't know why we don't have like two-stroke exhaust candles. Uh, I, I don't want my office to smell like coconuts. I want it to smell like two-stroke exhaust. It reminds me of my childhood. reminds me of motorcycles. It is the best smell in the world. Why am I sharing that with you? Sometimes sounds and smells bring you back to the past and you, and you get to remember fond memories. Well, the situation that David found himself in, in Psalm 63, where he's in the wilderness living in a cave, escaping his son, running for his life. It's not the first time he's gone through this. David as a kid, David before he was enthroned as the king, he often had to run from enemies. He was chased down by Saul. He would hide out in the caves. This is not the first time that David was parched, tired, going through a hard time, trying to survive in a cave. You see, Psalm 63 was written late in David's life. This meant he had significant history to pull from. God had already saved him from the lion and the bear and Goliath and the Philistines and King Saul and the Gibeonites and the Ammonites and all the surrounding kingdoms. So why wouldn't God help him this time? David has all this history to, to, to pull from. Reminders of God's faithfulness coming through for him, doing the impossible, why wouldn't God do it again? You see, when I read this passage, as he's meditating in the watches of the night, he's awake in this cave, thinking about God, reminiscing on life. And I can't help but wonder if if he feels like that familiar place. He hears the sound of his voice echoing off of the cave walls. He hears the water dripping in the background. He, he, he feels the damp feel on his skin. He's been in this cave before. He knows what it's like for the, his life to be flipped upside down. And what does he know about his history and his walk with God? Every time he sought God, Every time he's prayed to God, every time he's praised God, every time he's leaned into God for help, even though it was hard and it wasn't always immediate, immediate, every time he needed God, God came through. See, odds are, if today you find yourself in the middle of a discouraging season of life, This likely isn't the first time you've been in a hard season of life. This likely is, is you probably lost count of how many times. What did God do in the past? 
I'm sure you have story after story of how he came through for you, of how he showed up for you. And, And maybe you don't have those stories because you didn't actually seek him in those times. God has a history of coming through, showing up for his people. And if you think about your life, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that you could probably think of a story in your past if you truly sought God and leaned into him where he showed up for you and showed that he was faithful when you needed him the most. That's what's happening with David. He's remembering God. He's remembering the times that God came through for him. God's done it in the past. God will do it again. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to preach this sermon this week is because if I'm being honest with you guys, I'm currently in the middle of a bit of a discouraging season of life. Some of you know this, but I've been dealing with some crippling injuries for the last three years, and uh, I've had countless surgeries, and I had some other surgeries prior to these injuries, so I've had a number of injuries for the past five years, and, and I've continued to kind of spiral down, and get, it hasn't gotten much better. It's actually gotten a lot worse to where I finally uh, I got this you know, new option for surgery up in Fresno, and so that's why I'm out of the pulpit this weekend, and, and you're watching a recording of me this weekend because I, I, I'm trying to piece my body back together because I'm in this time where... Nothing I'm doing is working. I I rehab where I can. I've had countless surgeries. I try to take care of myself, do what I can to get better, but I'm not getting better. Everything's hard. Walking, just walking is hard. And I have to admit, there are times where I am totally down. Totally down. Like, very down. The, The injuries, it's not just the pain, but the isolation. Uh, the isolation and losing things that I love. Okay, no more motorcycles. I haven't been able to do that for years. No more CrossFit. I haven't done that for years. No more running. I used to run all the time, train for running, cycling. No more cycling. No more hiking. No more chasing my kids at the park. Everything that I loved, everything that I did in my free time that filled me up in here has been taken away from me for the past three years. And I struggle just to even stand up here and preach on Sundays, if I'm being honest with you. It's a moment where I'm trying to be transparent. I struggle to preach just on Sundays. It's, it's painful. And, uh, and, and then it, my back hurts. I, I don't want to sit here and complain because I'm actually very grateful because uh, we have an amazing preaching team. So I want to thank the other guys who step in at times and, and help in the pulpit and give me some downtime to rehab my body and also, you know, to focus on other things that are pressing behind the scenes here at South Valley. And so it's been a really hard season. It's been challenging. But when I hit my lowest... It's when I remember that I've been here before. It's not the first time I've been laid up. It's not the first time I've dealt with something that I I wonder if I'll be able to overcome it or not. It's not the first time I've been afraid about what it means for my future. It's not the first time that I've been down and in the dumps and struggling with something. But you know what I do know when I think about it? When I reminisce on my life and I look back, every time I've been in this spot, it hasn't always lasted for three, four years like this one has, but every time I've been in a spot like this, God's come through. Every time. Sometimes he came through in ways that I hoped and prayed for. 
Other times he came through in ways that I didn't see or expect, but he always came through. And I've been squirming and trying to get out of this, but I also know that there are lessons God wants to teach me through this. You see, sometimes we need to stop squirming and pushing and trying to escape the pain, and sometimes we need to embrace the pain and ask God, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to teach those around me? What do you want to teach my family? What are you doing in my life? I know this is hard. I know this is uncomfortable, but you press in even when it hurts. David says in the midst of his trial, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his suffering, he says, I remember God. I've been here before. You helped me then, and I trust you'll help me now, for you've been my help, he says. You have been my help. You've done it before, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. South Valley, he's done it before. He's done it for this church. He's done it for you. He will do it for you. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep pushing forward. God has come through, and he will come through again. He's got you. His hands are all over you. It hurts, but you can trust him. You can remember him. You can seek him. And here's the temptation. In the midst of this, the temptation is going to be to run. The temptation is going to be to give up. The temptation is going to be to be angry and to curse God and to stop going to church and to stop opening up to people and to stop being real. That's the temptation. David is calling on you. God is calling on you today to never give up, to keep pushing forward. You've been my help, David says. God's got you. He's done it before. He'll do it again, which leads to my final point in this sermon. When life is a furnace, ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't know how hard your life can be. I don't know what you're going through now. I don't know how heavy things feel. But at the end of the day, this is the big takeaway for you. When life is a furnace, trust God. Trust him. Trust him. You don't have to have all the answers all the time. You you may get the answers in this life. You may not get the answers until you meet them face to face. But whatever you're facing, you may be surprised by it, but he's not surprised by it. You may be wondering where it came from or why it's there. He knows the purpose for it. Trust him. Some of you are like, this, no, I'm going through way too much. This is way too big. This is way too hard. What do you mean trust God? Think back to, to Bunyan, okay? He's, he's in a prison for 12 years, cut off from his, his wife and kids. All he had to do was stop preaching. He could be let go. Trusted God, and he stayed there. And his trust in God resulted in one of the greatest works in, in, in all of history, The Pilgrim's Progress, a book that ministers to millions and millions of people. Today, we're talking about David. His son is after him. He loses his kingdom. He's in a cave. Trust God. When you're losing everything, we trust God. When the odds are stacked against you, we trust God. He says, but those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. 
But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Remember that in this story, David is being pursued by real, physical, actual enemies, people with swords and spears who want his head. They're seeking his life. They know that he's vulnerable when he's discouraged. Actually, in 2 Samuel 17, one of Absalom's counselors says this when he's devising a plan. 2 Samuel 17, he says, uh, I'll come upon him while he's weary. I'll come upon him while he's weary and discouraged and I'll throw him into a panic. And all the people who are with him will flee. I'll strike down only the king. You know what the plan was? To attack David while he was discouraged. That was the plan. They knew he left his home. They knew he was in a cave. And so when you're down, when you're discouraged, when things aren't working out for you, that is when you are most vulnerable. And so their answer was, we will wait till he is discouraged. And in that moment, we will jump, we will pounce, and we will defeat King David. That's how discouragement works. It it makes us vulnerable. The good news, though, that, that we see in this passage is that God will fight for us. At the end of the passage, he knows God's going to fight my battle for me. He trusts that his enemies will be stopped because God fights for his servants. He fights for those who suffer unjustly. He is in their corner. He is with them. He is for them. And so he trusts God to come through. And if you were to read the rest of this story, you would discover that in David's case, a great battle ensued. David did, in fact, come out victorious. His time in the cave was just a season. It wasn't a whole book. It was just a chapter in his life. And he went back into his kingdom. God delivered him. God showed up just like God had done so many times previously in his life. And so even if you don't have physical enemies, I want you to remember that you have a spiritual enemy. And if you're discouraged and you're down and you're angry with God and you're struggling and you're isolating yourself and you are letting doubt creep in, you're letting the pain and all the problems just kind of poison your mind, then you're vulnerable. And your enemy is looking at you and he sees you discouraged and he sees you down and now it is his time to isolate you from the pack and to pounce on your life and to destroy you. That's exactly how Satan works. We read this in 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show Planet Earth or you like uh, animal, you know, kind of documentaries. If, you, if you've watched that, then you know how predators work. They, they target the vulnerable prey. They, they look at those who are struggling or limping or, or down and then they isolate that prey until they get it in a spot where they're, they're weak and they're tired and isolated and then they pounce. And so if you are down, Satan is ready to pounce. And so when you're down, when life is a furnace, that furnace, it could destroy you or it could strengthen you. That furnace, it can flip your world upside down to where you turn your back on everything that is good and everything that comes from God. Or it can purify your life. 
the flames of life's furnace produce two things, either destruction or purification. They make you weaker or they make you stronger. And so if you today are in the middle of a trial, you have a choice to make. Are you going to trust God in the hard times or are you going to turn your back? Will you praise him or will you curse him? Satan would love to turn this furnace into your destruction, but God would love to turn this furnace into your purification. So here's my final word for you, South Valley. This season, if you're struggling, or if you know somebody who's struggling, this is just a season. This is not a book. This is just a chapter. This is just a chapter. And it feels like it's going to last forever, and it feels like there's no end in sight. But this is just a chapter. It is not a whole book. Because in the pressing, and in the crushing, and in the heat of life, God is working to make something beautiful in you. And so embrace the trial. Embrace the struggle. Embrace the hurt. Don't run from it. Don't numb yourself with some kind of substance. Don't turn your back on it. Look it in the eye. Be courageous. Be bold. Seek God. Trust God. Remember God. Praise God. Lean into God because he will will vindicate you. He will help you. He will deliver you. He will do something in this trial, teach you something about him or something about himself that you won't learn any other way. And so look him in the face. Get on your knees. Praise him, lift up your voice, and watch what he does. Put one foot in front of the other. God is with you. God is for you. And whatever the result is, it's going to be beautiful. And, and, And at the end of it, you have a responsibility like David to share what God has done. What I love about this psalm is he doesn't just end by saying, thank you, God. He puts his experience in writing and he shares his testimony with the rest of the world. And so here's the takeaway for you. If God has you going through something hard, oftentimes it's not just for you. It's for other people around you. How are you going to share that story? What are you going to tell others? What are you going to tell your children? What are you going to tell your friends? How are you going to point others to God's faithfulness in the midst of trials, in, the, in, in, in a world that is hurting and broken and lost? There is a need for hope and joy and contentment and gratitude even in the midst of suffering. God wants to use you to deliver that message. When life is a furnace, God is right there, and he will make sure it doesn't destroy you. It will just purify you. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for a chance to explore this passage together. I pray that right now that we would just be honest and real in your presence, that we wouldn't be afraid of what we're going through, but that we would entrust it to you, that we'd learn whatever you want to teach us, and that the lessons we learn wouldn't just impact our own lives, but the lives of those around us. Bless this church. Bless South Valley. I thank you for purifying her through the different trials that she's gone through over the years. I pray that this summer and this fall and as we move into Christmas later this year, I just pray that we would be getting stronger and stronger, becoming more and more like you want us to be, reflecting you in all that we do. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Love you. Have an amazing Sunday.